This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. This is Abdul Nasser Jengda and you're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Before we get started with today's session, I wanted to share a really amazing resource with you. A question that everyone has, a problem that everybody deals with is, how do I focus within my prayer? How do I enjoy my salah? Well, the answer to that question, the solution to that problem is actually quite straightforward and simple. If we understand what we say within our prayer, we'll be able to focus on it, internalize it, and actually get back to enjoying our conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We created a solution to make this possible. It's called Meaningful Prayer. This is a course, a curriculum, a seminar, a workshop that I taught in over a hundred locations all across this country and even in other countries. Tens of thousands of people have taken this course and it has really turned around, transformed their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Well, now, inshallah, you can take the Meaningful Prayer course online. You can take it according to your own schedule, at your own leisure. You can pace yourself. You can go back and review lessons multiple times to really be able to internalize them. Go to MeaningfulPrayer.com to sign up. Share this resource with others so that we can get back to not only just offering our prayers or performing our salah, but we can go back to experiencing a conversation and relationship with Allah. Now, to get on to today's session, inshallah, we're going to be covering the Shama'il Muhammadiyah, the prophetic personality. The following session was recorded at the Seerah Intensive. Bismillah, walhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Inshallah, continuing with our study of the Shama'il Muhammadiyah, the prophetic personality. Inshallah, today we're going to be starting with Chapter number 55, Babu Maja'a Fi Mirathi Rasulillahi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The chapter about the inheritance of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now, the word Mirath obviously comes from uh, the root of the word Waratha or Waritha. And what that basically refers to is um, leaving something behind. And the first thing that I'd like to clarify here, which many of the commentators on the Shama'il, um, many of the different scholars such as Ibn Hajar, Al-Bajuri and others, that they've commented here is that there are two things that are mentioned. There are two things that are mentioned as the inheritance of the Prophet ﷺ, the prophetic inheritance. The first thing obviously, the, sub, the first and foremost subject matter, the more obvious uh, subject of discussion is in terms of wealth. Fima khalafahu min al mal. That what material things the Prophet ﷺ left behind. The second thing that is discussed, and this is something that the Quran mentions as well. Yarithuni wa yarithu min ali yaquba. And the Prophet ﷺ in a very famous hadith where he talks about knowledge and guidance being the inheritance of prophets which we'll talk, uh, we'll talk more about a little bit later, inshallah. That inheritance, so if you will, the more spiritual inheritance of the Prophet ﷺ, that is not the subject of the discussion, that is not the subject or the topic of this particular chapter. 
This chapter is not discussing the spiritual inheritance of the Prophet ﷺ. This is the chapter about the material inheritance of the Messenger of Allah ﷺ. So just to uh, clarify that, as Imam Bajuri writes, وَأَبْعَدَ مَنْ قَالَ أَوْ مِنْ عِلْمٍ لِأَنَّهُ لَمْ يَذْكُرْ this chapter does not address the spiritual inheritance of the Prophet ﷺ. So we'll start with the very first narration. قَالَ الْمُصَنِّفُ حَدَّثَنَا أَحْمَدُ بْنُ مَنِيعٍ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا حُسَيْنُ بْنُ مُحَمَّدْ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا إِسْرَائِيلَ عَنَ بِي إِسْحَاقْ عَنَ عَمَنِ بْنِ الْحَارِثِ أَخِي جُوَيْرِيَا لَهُ صُحْبَةٌ قَالَ مَا تَرَكَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمَ إِلَّا سَلَاحَ إِلَّا سِلَاحَهُ وَبَغْلَتَهُ وَأَرْضًا جَعَلَهَا صَدَقَةً The brother of Juwayriya radiyallahu ta'ala anha, who himself is a sahabi, Amr ibn al-Harith, he says that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not leave anything material behind except for his weapon, his weapons or his weaponry, to speak more generally, his ride or his transportation, which was a donkey, and some land which he had made, sadaqah, he had donated it to charity. Now, to talk about these uh, items that are basically mentioned, the first thing that's mentioned is the um, weaponry of the Prophet wasallam. So when it comes to the weaponry, this is making reference to uh, certain things that the Prophet ﷺ had. And some of the things that are mentioned by the scholars are the Prophet ﷺ had a spear, a sword, a shield, a helmet, and some armor. That this was something the Prophet ﷺ left behind. The second thing that's mentioned here is the ride or the transportation of the Prophet ﷺ, and it specifically makes reference to the donkey the Prophet ﷺ used to ride. This was a white or a lighter colored donkey. The Prophet ﷺ had named it Duldul. And what's said about this particular donkey is that it actually lived on after the Prophet ﷺ until the donkey actually became quite old. Uh, the Sahaba actually narrate about it that it got so old that the teeth of the donkey had fallen out. Um, and they used to, the Sahaba used to take very good care of it because it was the transportation, the donkey of the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ rode this animal the last couple of years of his life. So, وَكَانَ يُجْرَشْ لَهَا الشَّعِيرِ That what they would do is they would, they would crush barley and they would actually feed it. Um, and it finally passed away at the place of Yambur, which is outside of Medina. And it was buried there, في جبل Radwa. It was buried there near a mountain, near the foot of a mountain at the place of Yambur. The third thing that is mentioned is land. And the Prophet ﷺ had some land that was in his name, that belonged to him. And more so, what it was, was this was what's referred to as Malul Fayt. Um, basically, when there was a military campaign or expedition that did not involve any type of actual fighting, the land that was recovered through it was referred to as Malul Fayt. And uh, the Malul Fayt would basically be placed in the trust of the Prophet wasallam. And the Prophet ﷺ used to utilize this land for a few things. Number one, the Prophet ﷺ would utilize maybe, let's say, the crop that would grow from that land, or maybe renting the land out to someone. 
So the money that would be earned from that land, the Prophet ﷺ used to use it for the allowances of his homes and his families. And similarly, the Prophet ﷺ also used to utilize whatever would come from that land for a lot of the financial assistance the Prophet ﷺ would provide to the poor or to the needy within the community. And so specifically what parts of the land, what lands are basically mentioned under this category, there was the land at the place of Fadak. There was also some land at the place of Wadi Al-Qura. There was also some land at the place of Khaybar. And then there was a fortress that used to belong to Banu Nadir. These were the pieces of land that were placed in the trust of the Prophet ﷺ as Alama Kirmani mentions. Now, but what, one thing that is of note here, because the narration kind of distinguishes the land from the other items. If you look at the narration, many of the commentators of hadith have commented on this particular narration that there's something very subtle here and it's pointing us towards something. When it says, Silahahu, his armor. When it talks about the donkey, it says his donkey. But when it says the land, it does not say ardahu. Because it was not so much of a personal possession of the Prophet ﷺ. It was more so land, if you will, because the Prophet ﷺ, when he was alive, he is the state. The Prophet ﷺ is the state. And so it was more so land that belonged to the state, not so much the personal belonging of a person. And that's why it clarifies Ja'alaha Sadaqa that the Prophet ﷺ had set it aside for a very specific purpose, and that was financing the homes of the Messenger ﷺ, supporting the families of the Prophet ﷺ, and similarly also being a source of financial assistance for those who might require it within the community. There is some extra commentary about maybe some other items that were left behind by the Prophet ﷺ. Some of the scholars of Sirah, Ibn Hajar mentions, have said that there were also some animals. There were some camels, there were some uh, sheep that had also belonged to the Prophet ﷺ. But the more, um, you know, I guess you can say research-oriented scholars of the hadith and the life of the Prophet ﷺ have actually clarified those were once again not personal possessions of the Prophet ﷺ. Those were the animals of sadaqah that used to graze on some of these lands of sadaqah. So they were once again not personal possessions of the Prophet ﷺ. Ibn Sayyid al-Nas, rahimullah ta'ala, another scholar of the seerah who authored the text, Uyunul Athar, he also mentions that the Prophet ﷺ did also have some garments some articles of clothing. And he actually specifically mentions the items. Um, he says that the Prophet ﷺ had two uh, sheets, two kind of garments, one that he would tie around his waist and one that he would wear over. He also had an izar. Um, the Prophet ﷺ had a couple of cloaks. He had a qamis that was more so kind of stitched like a shirt. Um, and along with that, the Prophet ﷺ also had uh, another couple of sheets or, or garments. And then the Prophet ﷺ also had some smaller pieces of cloth that he would tie around his head as his imama, as his turban. So, but that in its entirety is what the Prophet ﷺ left behind. And the scholars have, you know, commented on this particular uh issue, Ibn Kathir rahimahullahu ta'ala, he summarizes this entire issue where he says, فَإِنَّ الدُّنْيَا بِحَذَافِرِهَا كَانَتْ أَحْقَرْ عِنْدَهُ 
that material things were something that just had no value to the Prophet Allah, as they are in the sights and the eyes of Allah, where the Prophet ﷺ comments about the world being worth less than the wing of a mosquito. The Prophet ﷺ was never motivated to acquire and gather and collect material belongings and possessions, let alone leave them behind. And this was not only the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, this was also the sunnah of all the other Prophets. And this really shows the simplicity of the Prophet ﷺ's lifestyle. As the Prophet ﷺ teaches us, simplicity is from faith. And this really demonstrates to us, because there was no one who lived a life more fulfilling than the Prophet ﷺ. There was no one who um, had a better disposition and demeanor than the Prophet ﷺ. And this is the Prophet ﷺ practically demonstrating to us the richness of the heart, as is often talked about. The next generation, قال المصنف حدثنا محمد بن المثنى قال حدثنا أبو الوليد قال حدثنا حماد بن سلمة عن محمد بن عمر عن أبي سلمة عن أبي هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه قال جاءت فاطمة إلى أبي بكر فقالت من يرثك فقال أهلي وولدي فقالت مالي لا أرث أبي فقال أبو بكر رضي الله تعالى عنه سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول لا نورث ولكني أعول ولكني أعول من كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يعوله وأنفق على من كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ينفق عليه. This particular narration that we're about to read, um, and I want to preface it by saying, this is a very very sensitive narration. And it's in regards to a very sensitive issue. And I don't want to draw anyone's attention to it who might not already be aware of it. But at the same time, some who might be somewhat aware of it, I do want to go ahead and address that, um, just so it doesn't seem like we're skirting the issue. But this narration, as I said before, it's about a very sensitive issue, and it has a very sensitive tone to it. Number two, this narration, and there are some more other extended versions of this narration, um, very tragically and unfortunately were politicized. They were politicized. And they were, you know, conversations were created around them that actually do a great disservice to the legacy of the Prophet ﷺ, and to the legacy of the remarkable companions of the Prophet ﷺ, and to the pristine legacy of the family of the Prophet ﷺ. It's a great disservice to politicize these people and their pain in the aftermath, in the loss of the Prophet ﷺ. So I'll translate now and then I'll explain. Abu Hurairah anhu narrates that Fatima the daughter of the Prophet ﷺ, the leader of all the women in paradise anha, she came to Abu Bakr anhu, and she said that, who will inherit from you? She asked him a question. When you pass away, when you leave this world, who will inherit from you? He said, my family, my children. So she then said that, what is it, or why is it, that I do not inherit from my father? Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu said that I heard the Messenger of God sallallahu alayhi wasallam saying, we, meaning the Prophets, as will a later narration clarify, and the, just to explain it here, the, the, the plural, we, because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam says, In another narration he says, we are the fraternity of Prophets. 
So he says, we, meaning the prophets, are not inherited from. Like we do not pass on material inheritance. Rather, now Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, that was the statement of the Prophet La nurathu, that's it. Now from here is the statement of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He says, rather I, Abu Bakr, will continue to take care of everyone whom the Prophet used to care for. And I will continue to give allowance to whomsoever the Prophet ﷺ used to grant in, uh, allowance to. Like I will spend upon the people the Prophet ﷺ used to spend upon. And now what this is basically, as you can see here, Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, and it's very important to understand, um, and this is something that we'll talk more about, but Fatima it's quite possible and it's quite legitimate to even say that no one felt the loss of the Prophet ﷺ as much as Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha did. He's the Prophet and the Messenger of God. That's a tragedy for any believer. She's amongst the people in the company of the Prophet ﷺ, which was a tragedy for every companion. But she's also the daughter of the Prophet ﷺ. She's the last surviving child of the Prophet ﷺ. Her mother has already passed. All of her siblings have passed. And all she has from that original family is the Prophet ﷺ. And so Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, in a, in this, this has to be understood again very respectfully so no one misunderstands this. That, and I'll speak here very clearly, that anyone who paints a picture of Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha being unreasonable is committing a grave sin. Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha is deserving of our love and adoration and admiration. She is the beloved daughter of the Prophet She is the person about whom the Prophet said, مَنْ آذَاهَ فَقَدَ آذَانِ That someone who causes her pain or harm, he has caused me pain and harm. That This is who Fatima Fatima tu بُضَعَةٌ minni. Fatima is a part of me. That's what the Prophet said. And so... But at the same time, we have to acknowledge the fact, and there are narrations to this effect, that Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, this was a very, very difficult moment for her. And as would be manifest in Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha passing away six months after the Prophet And Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu saying that Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha withdrew after the passing of the Prophet And so... There are narrations about Anas radiallahu ta'ala anhu mentioning that after we came back from the burial of the Prophet ﷺ, Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha actually admonished me. She was so disturbed. She was so, um, she was grieving. Where she said, Atabat anfusukum? An tahthuwa ala Rasulullah at turaba? That do you, were you okay with throwing dirt on the body of the Prophet ﷺ? So this was the pain of Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. And so scholars have mentioned, and this is also very legitimate and sometimes it doesn't occur to us because now all this knowledge is documented. But it's very plausible that Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha was legitimately not aware of the ruling. That the children of the prophets do not inherit from them. And similarly, we also understand the grief of Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. And this is why Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and again, this is the... 
the, the wisdom and the graciousness of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, that after informing her of the ruling, he did not just simply give her a ruling, but rather Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, basically what he's saying, it's, I translated very formally, just such is the nature of the text. But what he essentially said, he said, don't worry, I'll always look after you and I'll always take care of you. Right? You were beloved to the Prophet ﷺ, you are beloved to us. And you'll always be looked after and you'll always be taken care of. The next narration, قَالَ الْمُصَنِّفُ حَدَّثَنَا مُحَمَّدُ بْنُ الْمُثَنَّةِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا يَحْيَى إِبْنْ كَثِيرِ الْعَمْبَرِ أَبُ غَسَّانِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا شُعْبَ عَنْ عَمْرِ بْنِ مُرَّةِ عَنْ أَبِ الْبَخْتَرِ أَنَّ الْعَبَّاسِ وَعَلِيًّ جَاءَ إِلَى عُمَرِ يقول كل واحد منهما لصاحبه أنت كذا أنت كذا فقال عمر رضي الله تعالى عنه لطلحة والزبير وعبد الرحمن بن عوف وسعد أنشدكم بالله أسمعتم رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول كل مال نبي صدقة إلا ما, إلا ما أطعمه إنا لا نورث وفي الحديث قصة I'll translate the narration and then I'll explain. Abu al-Bakhtari, he narrates that Abbas and Ali, radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, and the son-in-law of the Prophet ﷺ. They came to, and of course Ali and Abbas, their relationship with one another is of course also uncle and nephew. They both came to Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and they were differing, they had a disagreement. Each one was saying to the other that you did this and you did that. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu said to Talha and Zubair and Abdurrahman bin Auf and Sa'ad that I make Allah your witness. Like basically in front of Allah, as, uh, with Allah as your witness, did you not hear the Messenger of God sallallahu alayhi wasallam saying that all the material things left behind by a prophet are ch- charity. They are donated. Except for what he had actually given to people. What he had actually utilized. And he goes on to say, and no one receives material inheritance from us, the prophets. And then it says that there is a longer story behind this narration. So I'll take this opportunity to share the story Basically, the story which is mentioned in the Sahih of Imam Bukhari, um, along with many other uh, books of Hadith, mentions that the Prophet ﷺ, he, of course, the same lands that we were talking about, Malul Fayt, the lands of Fadak and the other territories, that these were entrusted to the Prophet ﷺ. After the passing of the Prophet ﷺ, Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu took responsibility for these lands. And Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu continued to utilize the lands for what the Prophet ﷺ used to utilize them for. Which was, once again, the allowances for the families of the Prophet ﷺ, along with utilizing whatever the land could provide for charity purposes as well. Helping those that were in need, you know, in the community. 
After the passing of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu took over that responsibility of overseeing, maintaining, and managing those lands. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu then served that responsibility for two years. After two years, Abbas and Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, they came to Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu as he mentions it, ثُمَّ جِئْتُمَانِي قَبْلَ ذَلِكَ وَكَلِمَتُكُمَا وَاحِدَةٌ وَأَمْرُكُمَا وَاحِدٌ Abbas and Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu came to him and they said, look, we are the family of the Prophet ﷺ. This land is utilized to support the family of the Prophet ﷺ, along with the other charity purposes. And, but at the same time, there was also the dynamic of the fact that the Muslim empire was growing very rapidly at the time of Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So they said, allow us to take this responsibility off of your hands. We'll manage it, we'll take care of it. And this is Abbas, the uncle of the Prophet and the Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the one and only. So Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, they both came together and they said, we've you know, figured out how to manage this and we'll be able to manage it together. And Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, of course, I have nothing but trust in the both of you. And he basically gave them custodianship, guardianship over these lands. And after some time, there was some dispute between the two of them. And this is where this narration basically picks up. That after some time, they had a dispute. And the narration, the longer version of the narration actually mentions that Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu was sitting and someone came to inform whoever the assistant was came to inform Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu that the sahaba that are mentioned here, these are senior companions, Talha, Zubair, Abdurrahman bin Awb, Sa'ab bin Abi Waqas, that they are here to see you. And Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, of course, invite them in. And he was sitting with them and talking with them. And while he was talking with them, that's when Abbas and Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu came in. Now as far as the two of them kind of arguing, having a difference of opinion is of course natural, but the narration even mentioned so much so that they're kind of saying, antakada, antakada. You did this and you did that. They're family. They're family. Uncle and nephew. You have to remember that. Right? We, of course, um, have such love and, and such regard uh, for these individuals. We adore them and admire them so much. And we should. But we can't also forget the fact that they're human beings and they have family relationships. So they come in and they're arguing. And that's when Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu basically says, okay, this works out such that all the senior companions, all these senior companions are here. And so he makes them witnesses and he basically says that, I make all of you a witness. And he goes through the whole history. Look, the Prophet ﷺ managed these lands and he did X, Y, and Z. Then Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu did so. Then, Umar, then I basically served that position. And then I entrusted it to you. But I entrusted it to you because you gave me confidence of the fact you'd be able to work together and manage it. Which obviously is not the case anymore. So now I feel that I will have to basically um, take over this responsibility again. And I will have to manage these lands again. But he also tells them at the same time that if you are able to reconcile amongst one another, if you can figure this out, I'll leave it with you. But if you can't, then I can't help you. I'll have to take the lands back. I'll have to be responsible again. And he even comments, we'll see in the narration where he says, فَوَاللَّهِ الَّذِي بِإِذْنِهِ تَقُومُ السَّمَاءُ وَالْأَرْضِ لَا أَقْضِي فِيهَا قَضَاءً غَيْرَ ذَلِكَ تَقُومُ السَّاعَةُ He says that because I have no other decision. 
They have to be managed the way that they have to be managed. The way the Prophet did, the way Abu Bakr did, the way I did initially. If you can agree to do that, then it's fine. Otherwise, he said, فَإِنْ عَجَزْتُ مَا عَنْهَا فَأَدْفِعَاهَا إِلَيَّا مَاهَا If you're not able to do so, then hand them over to me and I will manage them. And then the narration mentions that Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu basically conceded and Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu was given the custodianship of these lands. He managed them. And after Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, they were then managed by Hassan radiallahu ta'ala anhu. After him, they were managed by Hussein radiallahu ta'ala anhu. After which they were ma- managed by um, Ali, who was the son of Hussein. And there was again a joint custodianship. Ali, who was the son of Hussein, and Hassan, who was the son of Hassan. Yes, correct. Exactly. It did go back to that custodianship. The only thing was that it was not seen as being like someone's personal property. Correct. Exactly. The political argument basically exists about it being personal property versus belonging to the state and the family of the Prophet ﷺ managing the property. So then it was managed by Ali, who was the son of Hussein radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and Hassan radiallahu ta'ala anhu had a son by the name of Hassan as well. After which it was managed by Zayd ibn al-Hassan. After that it was managed by Ubaidullah ibn Hassan. And then finally, uh, eventually it was taken over by the Abbasid rulers, the Abbasid dynasty. Um, and from that point on, it was basically always managed by whoever was uh, running the state of affairs. Um, but one thing that did remain consistent was that it was always utilized for basically charity and donation purposes. It was like the welfare fund of the people of Medina. The next narration, قال المصنف حدثنا محمد بن المثنى قال حدثنا صفوان بن عيسى عن أسامة بن زيد عن الزهري عن عروة عن عائشة رضي الله تعالى عنها أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لا نورث ما تركنا فهو صدقة In this narration Aisha رضي الله تعالى عنها she says that the Prophet said, we do not pass on, we the Prophets, do not pass on anything material in terms of inheritance, everything that we leave behind, ma tarakna, everything that we leave behind, it is donated, it is charity. And the scholars mention here that this is um, really remarkable because, and again, this shows the honesty and the truthfulness of those people because one of the people who would have inherited from the Prophet ﷺ was Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. But she's mentioning very clearly that everything that is left behind is to be donated, it is not personally inherited. The next narration, قال المصنف حدثنا محمد بن بشار قال حدثنا عبد الرحمن بن مهدي قال حدثنا سفيان عن بالزناد عن الأعرج عن أبي هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لا يقسم ورث ورث ورثتي دينارا ولا درهما وفي رواية لا تقسم ورثتي دينارا ولا درهما ما تركت بعد نفقة نسائي in this narration, Abu Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala anhu says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said that what I leave behind 
in terms of material things, dinar and dirham, meaning money, what I leave behind in terms of material things is not distributed as inheritance. And in the narration of Muslim, um, he basically sa- says it with just a different verbiage that it is not distributed as inheritance. What I leave behind, ma taraktu, what I leave behind after the immediate allowances of my family have been deducted and or, or rather the allowances of my family that have already been set aside and the payments that have to be made to people have been set aside, everything else remains sadaqah. So basically what the Prophet ﷺ is excluding in this particular narration is when the Prophet ﷺ passed away, the year's worth of allowance that he would set aside for each of his households, that was already deposited, if you will, if you want to think about it in our terms. That money had already been deposited into the family's accounts. So what what this narration is clarifying is that you will not go into the accounts of the family and withdraw from there. What's been set aside in their names is now in their name. But rather the things that are still left in my immediate possession, those things are distributed uh, those things are given in charity, are not distributed as inheritance. Some of the other commentators on this particular narration, that is the most uh, immediate, literal translation of this narration, the most practical application of this narration. Some commentators of the narration have said that what this narration is alluding to is that the lands that were left behind were primarily meant to serve two purposes. Number one, they were meant to continue to be the allowance for the homes of the Prophet ﷺ, the families of the Prophet ﷺ. And number two, they would serve as the allowance for the workers of the Prophet ﷺ. And the workers of the Prophet ﷺ would be those who would manage the affairs of the state after the Prophet ﷺ. But the reason why that particular interpretation is a bit of a reach was because after the passing of the Prophet ﷺ, there had to actually be some figuring out about what they were going to do in that situation. Where Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu ta'ala's conversation is very, very famous in that regard. And they had a whole logical process. What are we going to do? And he said, well, I have to support my family. And he said, well, we'll take something from Baytul Mal. And there was a lot of discussion about that. That discussion never would have happened because of this hadith. They would have just known. So that interpretation does not make sense. The scholars have rejected it. Rather more so what the Prophet is saying, anything that I've already deposited into specific accounts, meaning the family's accounts, or that have been paid out to people who were working on something, like the people who used to collect the zakat and things like that, then that set aside. But my more immediate belongings are not passed on as inheritance. Rather, they are donated into charity. قال المصنف حدثنا الحسن بن علي علي الخلال قال حدثنا بشر بن عمر قال سمعت مالك بن أنس عن الزهري عن مالك بن أوس ابن الحدثان قال دخلت على عمر رضي الله تعالى عنه فدخل عليه عبد الرحمن بن عوف وطلحة وسعد وجاء علي والعباس رضي الله تعالى عنهم أجمعين يختصماني فقال لهم عمر أنشدكم بالذي بإذنه تقوم السماء والأرض أتعلمون أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لا نورث ما تركناه صدقة فقالوا اللهم نعم وفي الحديث قصة طويلة So this is again referring to the same story we talked about earlier where 
it's a little bit of a different viewpoint where this particular Sahabi, Malik ibn Aus, he says that I was visiting Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu when Abdurrahman bin Auf, Talha in Sa'ad. In this narration, he does not mention Zubayr, the other one mentions that. But it's just a viewpoint, it's a narrative. Maybe he just did not recall the name at that time. And they were also visiting when Ali and Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhumah came to see Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu and they were having a disagreement. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu said to them that I make God your witness, the one by whose command alone the skies and the earth remain intact. That do you not know? And he was asking this question not only to those companions, but he also asked this question to Abbas and Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu and they also confirmed that do you not know that the Messenger of Allah said, meaning, didn't the Prophet say that I do not leave anything material behind in inheritance? What we leave behind, meaning the Prophets, is sadaqah, is charity. And they all responded, Allahumma na'am, they said, absolutely, with Allah as our witness, that is true. And then again, it says, fil hadithi, qissatun tawila. There's a very long story behind the narration which we talked about earlier. قال المصنف حدثنا محمد بن بشار قال حدثنا عبد الرحمن بن مهدي قال حدثنا سفيان عن عاصم بن بهدلة عن زر بن حبيش عن عائشة رضي الله تعالى عنها قالت ما ترك رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم دينارا ما ترك رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم دينارا ولا درهما ولا شاة ولا بعيرا قال وأشك في العبد والأمتي in this narration, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam did not leave dinar or dirham, which is basically material things or money. Dinar is gold, dirham is silver. He did not leave any gold or silver behind, nor did he leave behind any goat or sheep or camel. And the narrator says that I do not recall if Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha also mentioned slaves. That he did not leave any type of slaves behind as possession either. And there is another narration in Bukhari in which it is confirmed. Where Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha says the entirety of it confirmed. She says, مَا تَرَكَ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَمَ دِينَارٌ وَلَا دِرْهَمًا وَلَا شَاتًا وَلَا بَعِيدًا وَلَا عَبْدًا وَلَا أَمَةً So the Prophet did not in leave behind as inheritance any of these things. And rather, but the one little note that Imam al-Bajuri rahimullah ta'ala mentions here, is that, however, the one thing the Prophet ﷺ did leave behind, to give us appreciation, is that the Prophet ﷺ left behind many, many, many mawali, many freed slaves. Kathir min utaqa'ihi. The Prophet ﷺ left behind many freed slaves. There were so many people who were known as uh, Abu Rafi' Mawla Rasulullah And, and um, so many uh, different people, men and women, who were known as Mawla Rasulullah They were the people freed by the Messenger of Allah wasallam. So that is part of the example the Prophet ﷺ left behind. Now, the thing I wanted to mention here in conclusion is that after talking about this particular subject matter, and this is the entirety of the chapter, so we've talked about the material inheritance of the Prophet ﷺ, what is its reality and its ruling. Now in terms of the spiritual inheritance, of course, there is a very famous narration, the Prophet ﷺ says, نَحْنُ مَعَاشِرُ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ We are the fraternity of Prophets. And وَإِنَّ الْأَنْبِيَاءَ لَمْ يُوَرِّثُوا دِينَارًا وَلَا دِرْهَمًا 
And the prophets do not leave behind gold and silver material things as inheritance. That's not what they pass on. وَإِنَّمَا وَرَّثُوا الْعِلْمِ Rather, what they leave behind, what they pass on is the knowledge of the religion. فَمَنْ أَخَذَهُ أَخَذَ بِحَظٍ وَافِرٍ and the Prophet ﷺ said that whosoever takes from that knowledge and guidance that the Prophet ﷺ left behind, then that person has really truly benefited greatly from the legacy of the Prophet ﷺ. That is the true legacy of the Messenger ﷺ. Another narration mentions that the scholars are the inheritors of the Prophets for these very for this very reason. And of course, Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu in a very beautiful narration. It's mentioned that Abu Huraira was passing through one of the marketplaces in Medina sometime after the passing of the Prophet And he stopped there and just looked around at everybody just so entrenched, you know, in just what they were doing. He said, oh people of the marketplace, what are you still doing here? قَالُوا وَمَا ذَاكَ يَا أَبَا هُرَيْرَ Why? What do you mean, what are we still doing here? قَالَ ذَاكَ مِرَاثُ رَسِلَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهِ سَلَمَ يُقْسَمُ He said the inheritance of the Prophet ﷺ is being distributed. وَأَنْتُمْ هَاهُنَا لَا تَذْهَبُونَ فَتَأْخُذُونَ نَصِيبَكُمْ مِنْهُ And you're sitting here busy, and you're not going there and getting something for yourself, some keepsake of the Prophet ﷺ. You're missing out. قَالُوا وَأَيْنَ هُوَ They said, okay, where do we go? He said, it's in the masjid. So everyone ran off to the masjid. Abu Huraira stood there and waited in the marketplace for people to come back. When they came back, he said, so what happened? He says, oh, Abu Huraira, we went to the masjid and we didn't see anything being distributed there. فَقَالَ لَهُمْ أَبُو هُرَيْرَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَلَىٰ عَنْهُ أَمَا رَأَيْتُمْ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ أَحَدًا You didn't see anybody in the masjid? قَالُوا بَلَىٰ No, no, of course there were people there. رَأَيْنَا قَوْمًا يُصَلُّونَ وَقَوْمًا يَقْرَؤُونَ الْقُرْآنَ وَقَوْمًا يَتَذَاكَرُونَ الْحَلَالَ وَالْحَرَامَ we saw people praying, we saw people reading and studying the Quran, we saw people who were learning about their religion. فَقَالَ لَهُمْ أَبُوْ هُرَيْرَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَلَىٰ عَنْهُ وَيْحَكُمْ فَذَاكَ مِرَاثُ مُحَمَّدٍ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ He said, what's wrong with you people? That is the inheritance. That is the legacy of the Messenger of God, Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So inshallah with that, that concludes the chapter.